welcome to the healing space. I am Sensei Raven Akundayo. And I am Brandon Harris Williams. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Just because you're silly. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, aren't we healing through laughter this week? We are can, indeed. Can I, can, can, can I chuckle? Can. Can I snort? Well, I don't know if you can snort. <laughs> so we, we're going to have, have a different episode of healing if you start snorting. <laughs> So many things I could have said just that. <laughs> to quote you, to quote you, so many things I could have said. I'm not even going to. How are you doing today, sir? I am awesome tastic. How are you? It's awesome tastic. Mm-hmm. I am blessed. The day the Lord has made. Come on, highly favored. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. No, you were here for it. You were were here for it. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) How was your weekend? If you like it, I love it. (laughs) My weekend was my weekend was cool. My weekend did not go the way I planned at all, not even slightly. But it still ended up being really cool. Okay. It's like is that a good thing? Is that? I'm drive up here real quick. Let me know. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna save my Friday for my good news. Okay. Um, but yeah, just know that it was a, a beautiful experience. I loved being able to give back, so that was awesome. So I can't yeah, wait to talk about it in my good news. Uh, on Saturday, my Saturday was just not what I planned at all. <laughs> my Saturday ended up being a me day in the house. And that was all good, you know, because I'm like, hey, mm-hmm. that was the universe telling me it was time to save some money. So I can't be mad at it, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was a, a Netflix and chill alone day. So that was all good. And then, <laughs> um, <laughs> then on Sunday, I went out with uh, Kaya, my best friend. We went mm-hmm. out and we just spent the day out in the city, you know. Uh, we went to Midtown, uh, got some food to eat. I took him to my favorite place in Piedmont Park, which is the Legacy Fountain, and we chilled there. Then he decided he wanted to be show. <laughs> Whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then he decided that he wanted to be a photographer out of nowhere. He just got really inspired. And he was like, okay, I want you to go stand up on this pillar and we're going to do a photo shoot. I was like, oh. (laughs) And you were all for it because you're a model. Whatever. Whatever. (laughs) I climbed up on top of this pillar and he took some pictures of me and all that stuff. So that was cool. Uh, And then I felt like I'm leaving out something. We had so many adventures in Midtown and it was so freaking hot. Like when I tell you, we walked. We did so much walking. By the time we got back home, I was like, listen, I just want to shower and ignore the world. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun because since he's on the road so much, mm-hmm. he's hardly home. So we don't really have an opportunity to be able to hang out. So it, was, it felt really good for us to just be able to spend the day together and have some fun out in the sun. So, so yeah. So that was my weekend. How about you? Um... Friday. I don't remember what I did. Lord have mercy. Listen, it happens. It, it does. It does. My friend Elisha came into town this weekend. Um, the reason he came into town is part of my good news. So I won't say that part yet. Okay. But he came into town um, on Friday and uh, we hung out, went to the mall for a little bit and then we got food. Um, I may have had a drink or two mm-hmm. and then I went to work 
And Wait a minute, with the drink still in you? <laughs> <laughs> Wait. <laughs> you know, um, I was fine. I was fine. Yeah, I'm sure. So, absolutely. And so I worked, and then I didn't get off. You know, I get off at 6 in the morning, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I was ripping and running. I had to go get my hair cut. Had to run by the Dollar Tree, get some last minute little stuff. And then he and I had to get on the road, go up to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. My table was hot. Yeah. Like you said, <laughs> listen, I know we all wanted winter to end and we were ready for spring, but I think we skipped spring and we're just really in summer. Like, <laughs> it's like 90 degrees. Thankfully, I had on next to no clothes, but Come still. On, let them see it. Yeah. Because the legs were out. You know. But no. We had a, um, yes. I, and I did. And I did. Come um, on, we had a really yes. good time. Um, I am never again in this lifetime, ever, mm-hmm. riding with Elisha while he drives in Atlanta. I'm not going to be able to do that. No. Like, you've been in the car with me. So you know how I drive. You know I, I ride kind of close-ish. Yes. You know, he's worse than me. So just imagine. Oh, dear God. So he's, like, the- he's like sitting on somebody's bumper. I wasn't able to see license plates. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> He's like, I don't like to use my brakes. Sir, wait. You don't admit that. <laughs> Listen, I'm like, this is the last time. Now, granted, he drove because I was sleepy. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing a lot of driving back and forth to Atlanta lately. So I was like, I'm going to let my car have a rest and I'm going to try to get some rest going up there. I couldn't even sleep good in the ride up. I was like, this is not. Oh, I'm scared to go to sleep. I might not wake up. <laughs> oh my gosh. This is day. Dangerous. So then, when we got back down to make it, after I thanked God several times, mm-hmm. we got food again and hung out with Janae. And the three of us just chilled. Um, Sunday was a really, really chill day. I watched Jurassic World finally. I had never seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm happy I finally saw it because I think that was when we went to go see Infinity War. Mm-hmm. I finally saw a decent trailer for the next Jurassic movie. So right. I was like, okay, well, now I can go watch the first movie because the first. <laughs> I wasn't interested, right? But I enjoyed that, and I saw this movie called Game Night. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Apparently, it was out a couple months ago. I hadn't. I didn't see nothing. It did not do well in theaters, but a lot of people said they really liked it. Oh. It was really, really, really good. Like, it was really, really good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thoroughly. Um, today's Monday, so yeah, that was basically it. It was, I guess, pretty chill, low key, minus almost dying in Atlanta on. On Sunday, right? <laughs> that's, not, that's not even the Atlanta driver's fault. That's Elisha's fault. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it, yeah, and it's also it's it's often the drivers here. So that's that's quite impressive. <laughs> you were able to blame it on the person you were in the car with, and not on the other people. Yes, because <laughs> I already know they can't drive, and so I'm used to them not being. I think you're a little scared because you're not in control of the car when you're with me. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. I was like. Legit terrified. Like, <laughs> this, is not, this is not okay. <laughs> so, okay, let's go ahead. Let's transition in because my weekend was pretty chill. Mm-hmm. Culture pop. Several things you want to get off your chest again this week. Lord have mercy. The fact that you keep putting it on me. Like, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that. Well, no, it's nothing. I really want to get uh-uh. off my chest with these. Like, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, Atlanta had their season finale. 
Yes, they did. And, uh, well, I guess this is, I guess for me, this is kind of getting something off my chest. <laughs> the other stuff I just put in there because we wouldn't have had a culture of pop if I didn't. Like, <laughs> there would have been no culture of pop segment if I didn't put those in there. Uh, but yeah, with this one, I don't really know how to feel because, like, when I think about episodes like Teddy Perkins, this episode, I mean, this season was absolutely necessary, you know? Mm-hmm. But overall, I don't know. Like, I can honestly say for a show that I personally love, it wasn't the first season. Like, mm-hmm. this season this season was interesting to me because it felt like it was all over the place. I don't, I, I feel like the, the only consistent... And I can't really say that. I can't really say that. Because all of the relationships, there were changes in the relationships. So for that reason, it was consistent. Each of the relationships, there was, you know, growth in different ways. Uh, Especially when it comes to Earn and his relationships with people. But for the most part, it really just seemed all over the place. It really did. And I, I guess I didn't necessarily care for that. More so because, like, in the episode with Teddy Perkins, I can't remember... Um, the name of Lakeith's character on the show but after what it is that he went through there it was never talked about again and that was a traumatic ass experience <laughs> the fact yeah. that you never touched on it anymore and then um, Paperboy and what happened with him in his episode you know he's in the woods and everything there's no conversation about that like nothing's talked about everything just happens and it's like okay it took place keep it pushing and I think that bothered me because for me, I'm like, these are situations that it really seems like would affect these people moving forward. Yeah. How is it Lakeith's character was not damaged as fuck after the episode where you're with Teddy Perkins? And it's yeah. like, y'all just kept it pushing. So when you got to the very last episode, I don't know. Like, I guess a part of it honestly felt like they were making the last episode in case they decided to not have a season three. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm going to say. Like, not any spoilers or anything. But it really felt like a nice, neat package, the last, mm-hmm. the last episode of this season. It felt very, we're going to go ahead and do this to kind of do a farewell in case Donald decides, all right, well, two seasons was enough. Holla. And that's how I felt by the time it was over, you know? Um, <laughs> no, I'm just thinking because there are several, you know, actor, writer, people who are very much so hands in so many different things mm-hmm. that then being in front of the camera is normally like an afterthought. You can so. go ahead and say Issa. Yeah, you can go <laughs> Trying to be nice, but <laughs> But yeah. I don't want to go in on her right. today. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I was saying go ahead. Like, you can go stick up the subject. It's cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were like, go ahead, go into it because you know yeah. I will. Plan. Um... <laughs> So, this was a weekend. A lot of people were graduating college. Yes. And uh, I think this was Dillard University. Mm-hmm. Where Chance the Rapper gave the commencement speech. Mm-hmm. Said that Beyonce's Coachella performance was better than anything uh, Michael Jackson has ever done. Or any performance he's ever given. Yes. What did you think about that? What did you think about that? Well, first of all, bless his heart. You know, we have That's to start there. Yeah. You have to start there. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> anyway, bless his heart. <laughs> we want to send out love and light to Chance, you know? It um, does. Like like I told you. What'd you say? <laughs> I said you do. 
Why, why are you so shady to him? Like, I don't know where you're going. I don't know if I want to be on board with this this message yet. <laughs> well, as shady as you're being to him, I'm saying I'm fairly certain you're gonna agree with me. Like, <laughs> like she. Anyway. So I'm sending love and light out to that brother because he's done a lot of really positive things for the community, you know. So I'm not going to I'm not going to take this this opportunity to attempt to say anything negative about the brother because he's put a lot of good energy out into the universe. Uh he has absolutely the right to his opinion. He does. But with that being said, be careful. <laughs> like like if if this was ever a situation where I feel like he he put on his millennial slash uh generation z cape and went flying into a brick wall was with that statement like to to say that that was her performance at coachella was better than anything michael jackson ever did that's a lot that's a lot all all you have to do is say i believe that that was a, a brilliant performance for a generation you know i i feel like it was a an amazing performance that we'll be talking about for generations to come say all of that stuff you know, you say say all of that, and that's perfectly fine. But this this whole comparing thing bothers me. I don't. And from the look on your face, maybe I assumed you were going to agree with me, and you do not agree, which is surprising to me. But but okay. Um, I don't. I don't really see why anyone would feel the need to compare an artist like Beyonce to an artist like Michael Jackson. I don't understand. Like, I don't. I don't understand why there's a need to compare an artist that's so respected against another artist that's so respected. Why not just allow them both to exist in their own spaces? The same thing with while there are a lot of people who say they don't understand why there needs to constantly be comparisons of LeBron James against Michael Jordan. Why not just let both of them be great? There's this constant need for comparisons. And so when he said that, first of all, why'd you have to say that on a, on a commencement stage? Like, why, why, why was that necessary? How does that relate to me going through four to five years? I'm $80,000 in debt. What the <laughs> fuck? Is, that, is Beyonce hiring for the tour? Like, I'm worried about trying to get a job. I need to be inspired and, like, encouraged. Right. And you talk about this bullshit. Like, whether I disagree or not, like... What the fuck they got to do with us graduating, sir? <laughs> so I thought that was intriguing. I was like, wow. When he did that, I had no choice but to kind of give him that that Trump comparison. Because I'm like, when you get on stage and start talking about nonsense, that has nothing to do with me walking across the stage. <laughs> like, I know he was able to tie it in in some way. But I'm like, dude, no. Like, keep that. I don't care. Keep I didn't even watch and there's no... Because it has nothing to do with anything. Like, literally nothing. <laughs> I think I think what he I th- because I did watch so I don't and want any of our listeners to think that it was a situation where neither of us watched it. I did watch. I just turned it off after he made the comparison because I became uncomfortable. But I I think he was liking it, likening it to once they graduate the heights that they should look to aspire to. Um and I just sat there thinking to myself, there are what? people who are going to take this and they're either going to completely rally rally with you behind you and say that you're right for saying it. And then people who are going to take that and lump it in with the comments they didn't like when you were defending Kanye and they're going to push back against you even harder. And I'm like, what? That's all. Like, I, I was just left scratching my head and saying, why? Because in my mind, I'm like, Michael Jackson is Michael Jackson. 
no matter what it is that may have taken place in his personal life, whether and I mean, of course, at the end of the day, he was acquitted. So it's like, okay, well, whatever it is that you personally believe took place in his life. Um, when it comes to the music, it's undeniable. When it comes to his, now I've never seen Beyonce live. I did see Michael Jackson live. And I know that there are a lot of people in the millennial generation who never had an opportunity to see Michael Jackson live. So we're mm-hmm. sitting kind of on, you know, two different sides. I can only yeah. go off of what it is that I saw live, you know, and those who have seen her live can only go off of what it is that they saw live. Uh, I believe both are an experience. I believe she's put on amazing performances. I have no need to compare her to Michael Jackson because I loved the Coachella performance, you know. But when it gets to this this decision that we need to compare them against one another, why? And why do we live in a culture that constantly feels the need to do that? Can't they both just be great and we keep it pushing? They really can. And I understand it's really, again, that stand culture. And I don't know why it's so... Because when you think about, like, the 90s, where there were so many big people, like, everybody had... There was space for everybody and everything. Like, everybody was good at... They were all in their lane. Right. And so you might have a favorite, or they might dislike each other or whatever, but you still were able to love both of them. Right. Like, Mariah and Whitney, or Prince and Michael Jackson. Like, you didn't feel like you had to choose. Right. Now, (laughs) it's like... Okay, I like this one. I can't like anybody else. And if she has an issue with somebody, then I have an issue with them too. Or their album came out, that's why it was a flop, and on and on and on. But it's like, but they make amazing music. Like, Yeah. I don't... Folks just love to celebrate the things they don't like. And I'm just, I don't understand what what that's about. Listen. Because you're just hyping it up. So, I didn't understand him saying that, because I feel like it didn't have anything to do with the graduate <laughs> I would have watched I might have saw how he tried to tie it in it still wouldn't have worked for me right but <laughs> I might have been able to see that right um I guess speaking of beefs mm-hmm. in the music industry mm-hmm. um, Azalea Banks went on to one of your favorite shows you tried uh, it <laughs> you tried it <laughs> and um apparently there was an issue with Cardi B I don't I'm I'm not a fan of Azalea's. I've never listened to her music, so I'm not a hater either. I just don't right. know anything about her other than she gets on everybody's nerves every few months. Right. But, <laughs> and I don't like the Breakfast Club just because I feel like they're extremely messy. Now, I will watch their interviews with actors because those tend to be strictly just about the acting for right. the most part. Yeah. It's, it's them damn singers and rappers. They get pulled in each and every time. I just don't. Yeah. <laughs> they fall for the bullshit. Yeah. Each time. So, what happened? I unsubscribed to The Breakfast Club many months ago uh, after their Janet Mock interview. Uh, I was I was pretty done with them. Um, But even even and I mean, I went months, you know, doing Mm -hmm. a a personal boycott because I don't feel the need to include other people in my boycott. That was for me. That wasn't for everybody else. So um, (laughs) you silly. Um, But yeah, so. Well, it's recently they've had several interviews that I've heard, you know, people were like, well, no, it was good. It wasn't problematic, all that kind of stuff. So I was like, all right, well, let me check it out. And I've watched a couple on YouTube. They were like, okay, cool. Kudos to you all for acting like adults for once. Um, (laughs) But so I watched this interview with Azalea because I was like, I'm really interested to be able to watch her talk for a little while. And again, analyze, you know, and I'm Mm -hmm. in this place. I'm in this place lately where I'm understanding that I was sunken in a few situations, you know, 
where I mm-hmm. allowed myself to be caught up in a matrix because of society, mm-hmm. which I do my best to never do. You know, so I had to free myself when it came to Kanye. I had to mm-hmm. free myself when it came to Rachel. You know, and and w- when I say free myself, it's allow myself to create my own ideas and opinions. Even if at the end I still consider them to be problematic, they're problematic because I say so, not because society says so. You feel me? Yes. <laughs> You're so silly. But yeah, so I'm like, well, let me watch this so I can make my own decision about Azalea instead of going off of what society <laughs> thinks. So I watched the interview, and the truth is, there are a lot of things she said that I respected. Mostly because, you know, even with this episode, we're continuing with the month of mental health awareness. And while I'm watching that, I'm like, she is very aware a lot of, of a lot of her mental health issues, and that's good. It's good that she understands that she can be very problematic. I also mm-hmm. appreciated that during the interview, she told you to not listen to shit she has to say, <laughs> because she she herself said that a lot of her ideas and opinions are bullshit. So she's <laughs> like, "Why are you listening to me?" And I was like, "I can respect that." Because we have a lot of people out here with problematic ass ways of thinking that are like, no, everything I'm saying is right. Like, why are you not listening to me? (laughs) I am a think piece warrior. I'm writing these things so you can listen to everything I have to say and take this as law. So I'm appreciating that she's like, no, I have a platform. I have an outlet to say things. I'm just sharing my opinion. (laughs) By, By all means, ignore the hell out of it, you know? And, and I appreciate that because she was confused because Charlemagne saying to her, you know, but you have a platform, you're a celebrity. And she's like, but what does that have to do with anything? And, and I, I like that she said that. She's like, you are a, a human being. You, you have it in you to be able to ignore the fuck out of everything I'm saying. Why are you taking it as this is the way you're supposed to think? Why are you getting mad at me for sharing an opinion? You know? And I'm sitting there listening to her, and I'm like, that's truth. If she's going to be messy, let her be messy. Why are you making it seem like she's supposed to create this platform that you're supposed to stand on with her? No. No, because people aren't doing that with you. You know, <laughs> You're out here saying whatever, being willy-nilly, just as messy as you want to with your mouth, and you don't have a bunch of people coming under you being like, don't you say that, I look up to you. Stop, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm watching that interview, and I'm like, she's making a lot of really good points. You know, and there were different things you, because Charlemagne, she and Charlemagne have had beef in the past and both of them have said, you know, Charlemagne was like, it got to the point where they talked to each other offline and he came to an understanding that he really respected her. He said the thing with her is that he feels like a lot of times she doesn't understand when to stop, you know, um, mm-hmm. or she says things, but doesn't say it in a way where people can understand. She says it in a way that immediately makes people want to jump. And he's like, Mm -hmm. she's actually very, and I got that from the interview. She's very intelligent, you know? Yeah. It's just that she doesn't really take the time to word what it is she's saying properly. Mm -hmm. Or she's just saying stuff just off the top of her head. Like she said, you know, pay no attention to what I'm saying. It literally Mm -hmm. is just a stream of consciousness, you know? Um... So she, he brings her in with the whole thing of Cardi B and Envy, who, you know, I consider to be very problematic. Envy was like, I wasn't even going to ask you to be honest with you. And so, no, 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 I'm sorry. The other way around. Envy ended up asking her. I guess that goes along with my whole he's problematic thing. But (laughs) Charlemagne said, I wasn't going to bring it up. I honestly was going to leave it alone. So Mm -hmm. Envy ends up wanting to know, well, why is it that you felt the need to say that about Cardi? He's because he's, he's never met her before, Azalea. So he said, I've never met you before. So I'm trying to get a better understanding of who you are. So why is it that you felt the need 
to say that about her. So pretty much Azalea said that Cardi was an illiterate hood rat. I can't remember anything else, um, but that was about the gist of it. And Mm -hmm. Azalea ended up making an argument that her problem with Cardi is that Cardi is like a caricature of a black woman. And first of all, I want to ask, I'm not sure if you know, is she black? I thought she was... Cardi? Yeah. Maybe. I don't... mm, Afro-Latina? I'm not certain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I thought she was Latinx, but I'm like, okay, if she's not, then, you know. But so that was my first thing. I was like, well, is she? But, (laughs) But once we get past that, I... I understand both sides. And I only say that in the sense of what Charlemagne was saying, as far as she makes arguments that you could see making sense, but she doesn't word it properly. Mm-hmm. And so I can see, because I want to defend both, because Cardi ended up deleting her Instagram, because she ended up going off, you know. And mm-hmm. I read some of what Cardi said, and I can understand it. And it, it, it broke my heart a little bit, because I'm like, I can understand, but I'll, I'll get to the Cardi part. So as far as, as Azalea... I can understand Azalea's point of view because she's talking about more substance with your hip hop, you know, and I guess in in empowerment when it comes to women and all that kind of stuff. And she sees her as a caricature because of all of the different the, the way that Cardi talks and all the things that people really pump up about Cardi. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm like, okay, I can see that because she's trying to understand why is it that we don't have more hip hop artists who are women out here who are being bigged up, who are more conscious or things of that nature, who are talking about things with depth. I get that. I got you. So for that part of her argument, I understand. That's me understanding Azalea. Now, on the other side with Cardi, like Tank said, like Cardi said, Cardi said, people chose me. This is her argument back at Azalea. People chose me, you know? People decided that they wanted to push me up, you know, and Mm -hmm. celebrate who I am. And I agree with that. There are a lot of people who see Cardi who feel like, okay, she speaks for us. There are a lot of people who don't walk around here all day speaking with the Queen's English, you know? (laughs) There are a lot of people who are like, okay, I'm ratch, I'm hood, and I'm proud of that. And when I look at Cardi, I see somebody who's representing for me for once. And I feel like I'm seen because she's seen, you know? And so I respect that as well, especially being somebody who's on the complete opposite side of things. I'm none of those things. But I appreciate when someone who can someone can love the fullness of who they are and walk in it proudly. And I feel like that's the what even if and, and I want to be honest about this, even if we look at white culture, and I honestly think there are white people who really do love her for being herself. I don't think they're making fun of her. But let's say there are some white people who are. Even if they're looking at her like she's cooning, at the end of the day she's still being herself. And that's all we can ask. All we can ask is that we can be the fullness of ourselves and be unashamed about it. So even if you're choosing to, you know, put a spotlight on her because you feel like you're showing that we're coons and we're monkeys and all that kind of stuff, at the end of the day, she's still inspiring a hell of a lot of people. So whatever it is that you're doing for for ill intentions is having the complete opposite effect on these people that she's inspiring, who are feel, feeling like they're being seen because of it. So while I can understand azalea's argument even though she didn't know how to properly word it i also understand why cardi's necessary for a lot of people who feel like they were shadows before she came along you know so i think it's beautiful that she's allowing people to be seen but like i was saying to you offline the problem is those people who feel like they're not being seen i pray that they can work on balance the same way that the people who came before them who felt like they needed to push the the more hood and ratchet people down 
the same way they needed to be able to see that those people need to exist. Where we are now is in a place where the more, I guess you could say, bougie intellectuals are being pushed down by the more hood ratchet people. Instead of it being a situation where the more hood hood ratchet people came out like, listen, for years you made us feel like we were less than. Because we didn't have your intellect, because we didn't have your education, you made us feel like we weren't worth it. Now we're the ones who are being praised. Now we're the ones who can go online with our think pieces and all this stuff and make our voices heard. But instead of being like, but you know what? Instead of treating us the way that you treated, instead of us treating you the way you treated us, we want everything to be equal. There's mm-hmm. space for all of us as long as there's respect. Unfortunately, people aren't doing that. Instead, people are being like, you know what? You treated us like shit for years, so now we're going to do the exact same thing to you. So once again, there is no balance. So what I appreciate about Cardi, at least from what I know, is that it's never a situation with her where she's trying to put other people down. She just wants to have fun and live. And I can honestly say that. I've heard you say that before. She just wants to have fun. I'm here all day for a person being like, I don't have time. I'm not paying attention to you. I'm coming out here, making music, getting my money, and then going about my business. I love that, you know? So for her, I put her to the side. She's not a part of the problem. The problem are a lot of people who love her and then other artists who come out who are like her who are just like, I'm going to put everybody down who's not like me. We don't need to exist in that culture. Let's exist in a culture where you make your money. You make your money. There's room for everybody. I can make my conscious hip-hop. You can make your your ratch hip-hop. And then everybody lives. We make our money. Mm-hmm. We do better for us as a culture, you know? And then we keep it pushing. So that's my response to both of them. Like Azalea, I understand how you feel, but find a better way to be able to express it. There's no need for you to tear this sister down. No need whatsoever. Let her live. You know, I understand the need for us to make sure that there's balance, that there needs to be just as many J. Coles and Kendrick Lamar's as there are Migos and Cardi B's. But let everybody live. As long as we can have a society where everyone's making music and that there are people who can relate to all of these forms of music without us feeling the need to ostracize any of them, we all succeed at the end of the day. Okay, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> um, no, I absolutely agree with you, though. There needs to be, again, like we were talking about um, with singers and performers, there generally needs to be space and opportunity for everybody because everybody's not the same, so everybody wants to be represented. You know what I'm saying? And so... I can, of course, because I like Cardi, but I can appreciate her saying, like, me making it has nothing to do with you not making it, or you, you know what I'm saying, in general sense, not you, Azalea. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because there are plenty of people who love Azalea's music, they just know that she's problematic as fuck. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I didn't watch the interview, so I don't necessarily know if it's, if part of it might be coming from a place of jealousy because Cardi's at a higher level or whatever. That I don't know, but I do know that Azalea's kind of in her own way a lot of times. Right. Um, so, well, I don't know. I'm I just, sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, I just think that, like you said, there should be space and opportunity for everybody. I don't, um, I don't know. I don't, I, I Cardi's issue, again, I've, I've talked about before, though, is because she's still navigating being a public figure after being a, a ratchet, you know what I'm saying, person just having a Twitter and then just being a, a reality star, which is different from now being a rapper online so it's just a lot of navigating she's still doing and she's also hormonal as hell because she's pregnant right like it's, it's just I, I need her to stop responding to everything and everybody right first and foremost but <laughs> i don't know well what what i can say is that when you're watching it i can't necessarily say it's jealousy um i i can see that she's hurt but that's mm-hmm. because we live in a society right now where people like me and i can put myself in that category people like me 
uh, people like Childish Gambino, people like Azalea, I guess the 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 nerds. There okay. is there is and has always been a backlash against nerds. There's always been a backlash against people who consider themselves to be free thinkers and being different, you know? Again, and this is me once again defending Cardi. Cardi did not ask for anybody to put her up on a pedestal and champion her. However, that is a situation. A lot of people who champion her are people who still look down on uh I mean uh, nerds and things of that nature. People who are more left of center. You feel me? <laughs> so in Azalea's argument, and she made really good arguments, meaning, you know, she was very calm. She wasn't going off or anything like that. She made good arguments, but you could see from a mental health point of view that she has been broken. I mean, she even talked about the whole situation with Riza and Russell Crowe and how Russell Crowe spat at her and all of those things. Um, she's been put through a lot of trauma. So it's like mm-hmm. when you listen to the interview, you get an understanding that this poor sister has been put through a lot for simply being different, you know? So in that instance, I understand that because a lot of people who champion Cardi are people who are different as well, but are different in different ways. You feel me? Mm -hmm. So it's never a situation where, because I consider all these people to be misfits. It's never a situation where people on different spectrums of the, 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 the misfit ladder (laughs) or the misfit universe. There we go. (laughs) Different people in the spectrum of the misfit universe can really see one another It's like you're different and I'm different too. We may be different in different ways, but we're still being ostracized. We're still being treated as though we're less than by the larger community, you know? Mm -hmm. So we need to learn to see each other because we need one another, you know? Yeah. But yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Okay. (laughs) So, everybody love everybody. Right, please and thank you. Like, just make your music and go home. Right, please. <laughs> but no, on a, a semi-happy note, we kind of skipped over and talked about our weekends. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, well, yesterday being Sunday, because today is Monday. Mm-hmm. I know it's confusing when we say that sometimes. Uh, <laughs> it was Mother's Day, yeah. so we want to wish all of the mothers, mothers to be happy belated Mother's Day. Absolutely. I hope everybody. Hope everybody enjoyed their Mother's Day. Um, for those who uh, Mother's Day is hard or difficult for you, we hope that yesterday, you know, um, was was an easier day, or at least at least it gets easier as it goes on. Because um, I can only imagine how you know traumatic or how difficult it can be to push through seeing everybody else celebrate theirs. And if you have issues around Mother's Day for whatever reason, yeah. So as you would say, sending you love and light to everyone. <laughs> And sending out a major love and light to my mom because her birthday was the day before Mother's Day. So sending yeah. out love and light to her, celebrating a beautiful 65 years young. Loving okay. Her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So that was awesome. That was awesome. And I can't wait to see her. Can't wait to get back home to Baltimore so I can hug up on her physically. Uh, but oh. thank. shout out to Marco Polo. So I was able to see her. <laughs> but yeah, so that was awesome. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to go ahead and head into this commercial by our new sponsor, which is us helping us. <laughs> and after we're done with that, we're going to come back and talk about healing through laughter. You feel me? We're going to try our best. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, y'all. We'll be back. <laughs> Peace, Misfits. Before we get into our next segment, I wanted to introduce you guys to one of our new sponsors, Us Helping Us. 
Us Helping Us is one of the largest black-owned and operated community-based organizations in D.C. and Maryland, striving to offer comprehensive care to the DMV and beyond since 1988. UHU offers free and confidential HIV and STI screenings. This includes gonorrhea, chlamydia, and hepatitis C. Case management for HIV positive as well as HIV negative individuals mental health services, workshops on sexual health, power dynamics and risk reduction, a stocked food pantry, linkage to PrEP and PEP, a host of support groups for the LGBTQ community, as well as heterosexual individuals and many other services. For more information, please visit the website uhupil.org. It has tons of information to offer all the upcoming events, office hours, and addresses of both locations. You can find the portal there to sign up for workshops, to ask questions you may have about the schedule, and for the testing appointments. You can also like and walk with them on social media and by going to their website as well. At Us Helping Us, we meet you where you are and take you where you need to be. So for this week's episode, we're healing through laughter. Brandon and I would like to talk about, specifically in the black community, how we often turn most things, whether painful or joyous, into laughter. Things dealing with movies, as well as comedians, and just all across the spectrum of blackness, (laughs) we find ways to make ourselves laugh no matter the circumstances. So where would you like to start, BHW? <laughs> um, I guess we can start. Uh, I don't know. I guess we'll start with movies. Um, like you're saying, they're pretty traumatic things that happen in movies. Are pretty, you know, saying traumatic uh, movies mm-hmm. that come out, and then somehow we turn them into a joke. And I don't know if we do that um, because we really do find some things funny. Because, and I don't know if they're funny because they're so unrelatable to some of us, or for some of us, we have to laugh because it's so traumatic or because it hits too close to home. Right. Like movies like Precious and movies like Holiday Heart, um, for example. I know so many people are able to make jokes about both of those movies specifically, and while, uh, while of course the movies aren't, you're not supposed to cry the whole two hours, hour and a half, whatever, of the movie, there are some comedic moments or whatever, But we find the comedy in the traumatic moments. And I just really wonder where that comes from or why is it so popular? Because I wonder if in all of the need to make a joke is some of the message or some of the dealing with the trauma lost. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I've never seen Holiday Heart, even though I know so many people who have watched it over and over. It's it's like it's like BET's mascot or something. One of them. (laughs) <laughs> it's up there with baby boy but yeah <laughs> but uh i've seen precious i've only watched it once uh because for me it it was a it was a very dramatic movie you know um mm-hmm. so i have some movies that i'm like all right once was enough like i'm good yeah. uh and so the fact that i and i know quite a few people who are able to make fun of it uh especially mm-hmm. like the scenes with monique when i first saw that movie like that really touched me like that was deep that's serious <laughs> mental trauma and emotional trauma. Exactly. And exactly. so it's like when I started seeing people make fun of it, 
to go to what you were just saying, you know, the, the different reasons why people may use it. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I know a lot of people who deal with some really deep mental trauma and seeing that may have been very triggering for them. So mm-hmm. maybe in their mind, they're like a way of switching this so that I don't have to focus. Because again, like I talked about last week, if it gets to a mm-hmm. point where things become a little too real with you and you allow yourself to connect to something, then you're there. And if yeah. you allow yourself to truly feel that moment between Mariah and Monique, you then have to say to yourself, this is my reality as well. And you have mm-hmm. to then challenge what it is that you're seeing, which means you have to go inward. And people aren't really yeah. looking to do that. So let's laugh at it, you know? Let's mm-hmm. mock it and make fun of it. And that way it helps to separate us from having to actually deal with whatever it is we're witnessing right now. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So I think you, you really hit the nail on the head with that. Absolutely. No, I just, because <clears throat> for me, um, <clears throat> excuse me, because I'm, I'm one of those people, I normally can, I get the dramatic or the tra- traumatic stuff for what it was, because thankfully I haven't been through, um, things as serious as both of those movies have dealt with. Mm-hmm. So, from watching both of them, I was like, okay, like, I think Precious, I think I saw it once, and I was like, okay, I don't know if I need to see this again. I definitely waited a, a while before I watched it again, or at least saw clips and different things. Right. Um, but Holiday Heart, I've watched Holiday Heart thousands and thousands and thousands of times, mm-hmm. and I was never, ever, I never even got jokes, or how people could make jokes or whatever. And then one day, I was live tweeting with a couple of friends. We were, weren't together, just tweeting together, watching it on TV or something. And they were just making jokes about, like, literally everything. And I was like, I couldn't even look at the movie the same. Like, I haven't watched it since because I'm just like, how are we right. able to do that? Yeah. Like, yeah. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's crazy to me. But like you're saying, I wonder if it's, like, the self-preservation kind of a thing. Like, I can't go too far inward or too far back to that moment where that was related to me. Yeah. So they make this funny. Or if it's even for the people... I guess who are dealing with that if it's like it's not maybe it's not that deep so let me laugh at it yeah or I, I just I, I just don't know why we do that why it's so I, I guess everybody has a different reason why but yeah. I guess I kind of hate it has to be that way because laughter can definitely <clears throat> excuse me goodness gracious <laughs> laughter can definitely uh, help to push you through certain things it definitely you know I believe you can find humor in most things or in a lot of things or you can you know what I'm saying find the joy and you should be able to push through but I don't want hurt or I guess pain I wouldn't want anything that's supposed to be dealt with to be missed because we wanted to make a joke absolutely absolutely and and like like as as you were talking I'm thinking back to more more of the uh, situations that happened in Precious and I'm sitting mm-hmm. there thinking to myself, because if I, again, I saw the movie in theaters when it first came out, so my memory may be a little foggy, but she, didn't she end up getting giving birth to, it was her child, but also her sibling, right? Yeah, her dad, both of her children were her father's children, but yeah. he raped her. Yeah. Or he, he might have been her stepfather. I can't remember if he was a stepfather or not, but he was the father figure in her life. Right. Um, because the, the child ended up having uh, Down syndrome, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the little girl. Um, but well, the older child had Down syndrome. The younger child she gave birth to at the end of the movie, I think, was fine. Okay. okay. Or was, yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm sitting there, and, and there, I'm just thinking about so many different situations, like you know, Precious coming home and her mom like trying to hit her with what was it, the frying pan or something like that? She threw the frying pan mm-hmm. or something, 
And I'm like, it, and I keep thinking about uh, thinking back to what it was that you said. I'm like, these are so many situations that are very real to a lot of people. I'm sure in other communities as well, but definitely in the black community. And yeah. I personally know people who have dealt with parents like that. You feel me? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, it, it has to be a thing where it's like, this is way too close to home for me. Let me find yeah. a way to make this something that I can digest or else I'm going to sink deep, you know? Exactly. Um, exactly. So yeah, so it, it's like let me let me find a way to make to make light of it. But like you said, you know, it's like we we have to be very careful of all of the spaces that we feel like need to be made into a joke, you know. Mm-hmm. And continuing with the theme of jokes, it's also a situation when it comes to uh, comedians as well. Yeah. And I've talked about this for years, so I was really happy when you had brought up the the idea of talking about comedians when it comes to laughing through the pain as well. Because I've told people for a really long time that some of the saddest people you'll ever, you'll ever meet are comedians. Exactly. You know, it's, it's like a lot of their career is based off of that. You know, it's like either mm-hmm. bullying or problems at home or any of those kind of situations. You know, what they went through in school. Mm-hmm. It, it's a myriad of different situations that could have led them to the stage as far as being comedians. Absolutely. But then you, you get to watch their their journey as comedians see all the things they go through. And it's been made even mm-hmm. worse with social media because now you can really see. It's like, yeah. okay, you, you can see a person's either, you can see their decline or you can watch for yourself and see, wow, I see where a lot of your pain comes from and, mm-hmm. and how you then change it into comedy. You feel me? Yeah. And uh, I mean, that, that could even go on, on into when they're on stage. And they're making fun of other people. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they're making fun of you and the audience. It's an opportunity for them to kind of be able to, one, get back at those who made them feel less than. And mm-hmm. two, is a way of being able to take their pain and put it on you so they can exactly. relieve themselves a little bit, you know? Exactly. Because, yeah, um, I definitely have, you know, we always hear the stories and it normally is, like you're saying, social media is changing, but so for some of the comedians, it comes out later in life, like they suffer from this mental illness or this, you know, saying particular um, disorder, or they were struggling with this, that, and the third. And we don't really look at, I guess, how kind of like when they say comedy saved their lives, it literally kind of was that Absolutely. that escape. It really was that release that they needed. And for some, though, again, though, it's the comedy is while it's saving, it's more so distraction than it is really them confronting their their problems right. because um, if you're a comedian you become successful then you're able to kind of not deal with the problems you had before you've made it because now you have a whole new set of problems right now granted problems you had before can be heightened in some ways but because you're so busy living in your new normal kind of a thing and you're busy constantly trying to make jokes or find the humor in different things your your mental health can get lost in the yeah. balance it can get lost in the shuffle of doing things um, yeah. I had something else in it with my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at your face and I was like, well, his face isn't telling me to keep going. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and go anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, and one of the, one of the first people that came to mind for me was Robin Williams. Yes. And yeah. And like when, when he committed suicide, no one saw it coming. Mm-hmm. And, but, but it's like, if you, if you took an opportunity, especially like, I can honestly say I worry about Jim Carrey all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're talking about two white men now, but I'm like, I look at Marlon Wayans a lot and I've really started paying attention to his 
social media. And again, we <laughs> exist in a society where people don't often see each other the way that they should. Yeah. So I don't know if it's any of his personal friends who may be in his life who may see it, but I can tell just from looking at his Instagram. Like whenever uh, Marlon has an event that's about to come out, like you, when he had his Netflix event, um, mm-hmm. his show that ends up coming on Netflix, you can read his posts and see how much it means to him that people support it. And you mm-hmm. can read his language. Again, we live in a culture where people are more about pictures on Instagram instead of the captions. But it's like yeah. if you read the captions, you can see how much it means to him. He has moments where he's very vulnerable and he lets you know how sensitive he is, you know. Yeah. And I start mm-hmm. looking at this stuff and I'm like, I worry about him. Because when if he's not, he constantly says this thing, he's been in the business for a really long time, but it's Mm -hmm. only been over the last two or three years where he's really began to talk about how important it is for him to be on the same level as his siblings. And I'm like, in some instances, you've kind of surpassed them. So it's interesting to me that he feels like he's still not where he needs to be, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I started paying really close attention to that. So it's like when his Netflix event, didn't do what it is that he wanted it to do, you could see a change in the way that, like, he completely, he, he pumped it up for a minute, pumped it up for a minute, and then act like it didn't even exist anymore, you know? And mm-hmm. I'm like, I can only imagine the way that tore at him. But yeah. I'm like, dude, you've had so many successes, so many, but for him on the inside, it doesn't feel enough, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that, that's what happened when I was looking at Kevin Hart. I was looking at Kevin Hart, and I'm like, I can only imagine the pain that he's gone through, especially because of his height, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that he's he has such a large platform. So it's like, where me, I love my height, but I'm also not at a place where people feel they need to always talk about it everywhere, you know? <laughs> um, and I look at him, and the reason why it's so important for him to work out, the reason why it's so important for him to be in really good shape, because it's like, okay, you can make fun of my height all you want, but you're going to love my body. You feel me? And so it's like, then he starts to make comedies and people are getting on him for his comedies. I know so many people who don't think he's funny. You feel me? So it's like he reaches a height where he's like, okay, he's making movies all over the place. He's yeah. selling out, you know, he made history in the stadium in Philadelphia for a comedy show. You know, all these things. And the whole time I'm worrying about him because I'm like, you're riding a really big high right now. God forbid you have a really serious low, you know, and then that's when all the stuff happened with his wife and his infidelity. And I'm just like, you, people have to be really careful, especially comedians, because it's like, we, we don't know what it is that they're going through behind the scenes, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think particularly you saying that, like writing really big high, um, it just made me think, and this is a conversation I had a few years ago. It wasn't, the topic wasn't necessarily mental health, but just black comedians in general. And so when you're talking, I feel like so many of them, it's like only a few at a time. Yeah. Kind of. Or it's like they'll hit this success where they're like up to the stratosphere, making a whole bunch of movies. You see them everywhere and they have a huge decline. Right. And so you wonder because so many comedians already struggle with mental health issues, whether they say it or not, like you're saying, the signs are there, different things they do, you can see it. Yeah. But just, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like people like Martin Lawrence. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we talked about before, like huge in the 90s and then doing movies in the 2000s, you know, sporadically, slowly, but surely. And then he comes back for the Deaf Comedy Jam and you're like, something seems off. Mm-hmm. Did you see him um, when he was with uh, Tisha Campbell Martin and Tashina Arnold at that restaurant and he's very, very quiet, like not saying anything. You're like, something again seems off. And I know part of it is we want comedians to kind of always be on, mm-hmm. but it's the difference between like them not being on and then something else going on that's coming out. Right. I'm saying they're not fully verbalizing. So I just wonder how that 
I guess how, again how that contributes to everybody's mental health when they you know what I'm saying they have the, this really big success, success. And this again, you don't have to be just a comedian, but that's you know the topic. Right. Um, then you fall yeah. off. Like, what do you what do you do? Yeah. Or then at that point, do you finally confront those issues, or are you now more worried about just getting back up? Right. Well, see, for for Martin, he had a very public mental health breakdown. You know, mm-hmm. it's like running through the streets and everything. So it's like for him when he went through that, that was major for a lot of people because, of course. Uh, and, and this was still back in the day when the black community was still very hush hush to talk about mental illness at all you feel me mm-hmm. so it's like people were finding all different types of ways of course there were people mocking him once again laughing at the situation instead of being like no you, you you had your people yeah. who were like you know what's really going on with Martin but there were so many questions and so few solutions there, mm-hmm. because uh, at that time once again it was so long ago that it wasn't a situation where it was like Let, let's have full episodes of shows talking about this, getting a better yeah. understanding of what he's going through, you know, instead of, instead it's a thing of, well, maybe he was just exhausted, you know, and because he was exhausted, he's going to go through this and go through that. Yeah. And it's like, listen, you know, even when it comes to Dave Chappelle with what it is that he went through with, um, with Net, not Netflix, with Comedy Central at mm-hmm. days in to this day. And I know he's talked about it and stuff like that, but I can't remember if he, if he ever, mention anything as far as mental health i can't remember i'll need to go back and listen to it again but i'm like at day's end i still believe that that had a lot to do with mental uh, mental health as well that it was mm-hmm. like there's a whole lot of pressure that's being put on him you know yeah. and he's like listen i got bounce i have to leave for my peace of mind you know absolutely and i understand that you're saying that this is a whole lot of money but the money won't mean anything if i'm not able to i can't do nothing with that if i'm gone you know Exactly. Or enjoy it while I'm here. If I don't, you want me to be like I'm saying, always to be on. So you want me right. to keep going, and keep going, and keep going. Yeah. But let me live. Yeah. Also. Yeah. And and then it becomes an interesting situation because almost no everyone we've mentioned have been men, and then you start to focus yeah. on women, and that becomes an interesting conversation because of why we see it so far less with women than men. You know, and it's like because it's real. It's still there even when it comes to them. So why yeah. is it that, like, like for me, I know when it comes to Kathy Griffin, I can look at Kathy Griffin all day and I'm like, you are someone who deals with severe mental health issues. I know, mm-hmm. especially the fact that she feels the need to be so grand all the time. And I watch mm-hmm. when she does interviews where she feels the need to push against things. And, you know, I'll mm-hmm. watch interviews where she talks over people and all these kind of things where she attempts to seem so amazingly happy all the time, too. Like nothing bothers her. And when she went through this whole situation with Donald Trump, and I mean, she did admit that, that it really messed her up, you know. Um, but I'm mm-hmm. looking and I'm like, in knowing your personality, I'm just thanking God that you're still here. Because yeah. in the interviews that I've watched her do in the past, I've watched her and the whole time I'm watching it and analyzing her, I'm like, you overcompensate a hell of a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you get somebody like Monique, where I feel like it's a very interesting tightrope that she walks because i feel like once again she's someone who deals with mental health but she goes out of her way to make sure that she's healing so and i think that's the reason why she stays as far away as she does you know because it's like you'll watch her doing her fitness and all that stuff and she's like no i'm keeping myself in shape and i feel like she's not only working on her body she's probably working on her mind too and it's like Mm -hmm. you know she'll come out and make comments like what she did earlier this year 
And yeah. then it's like, okay, that's that's way too much attention that's put on me. Let me dip back again, you know, and go back <laughs> to just making videos that I put on Instagram or something like that. Because once I got a huge platform again, everybody started attacking me, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's like you you look at you look at different people and their ways of being able to navigate stardom, and it's kind of like as a comedian, you want to be able to feel loved. There's a certain yeah. love that you were lacking when you were younger. And if you're able to get on the stage and receive that love and makes up for something that you weren't able to get. However, it's different from being at, you know, an, an, an improv show or something like that than being on a red carpet. You feel me? And it's like mm-hmm. they may not necessarily be prepared for that level of fame and the scrutiny that comes along with it. Absolutely. You know? Because, yeah, because I've heard... Um, you know, people say, I'm paraphrasing, I can't remember exactly the quotes I've heard, but basically, like, fame doesn't necessarily change you. It just kind of, like, heightens the issues kind of that you already have had or dealt with. Yeah. And so it doesn't make or break you. Well, you kind of have to basically already know who you are and be kind of good and sound before you become famous. But most people are not. Right. Just because <laughs> for most people, too, you don't know when that when that overnight success is finally going to start absolutely or you want to know what's going to be that thing that catapults you up so you can't ever be <laughs> and because so many of us are walking around broken with different issues and different things you'll, you'll never be ready most people will never be ready you just have to kind of be like you said constantly trying to be on that journey and people around you are also on that journey so you can kind of stay grounded and sound yeah but so many people just aren't so yeah. it's a number of well, just outside of, again, the comedic world. But I'm wondering, like you're saying about women comedians, I wonder if it's just because so many women comedians aren't even as famous, if that's why we don't hear about it as much. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, which is, of course, patriarchy and different things, but it's just like, I can only imagine how they struggle, probably maybe more to a, a greater extent, just because they never even made it. So it's like to have those issues, and then on top of that, dealt with being as good as the men or better than in some cases, yeah. but then you still break through. Listen, cause somebody who I pray for all the time is Leslie Jones. I pray for her all the time because I'm like that sister right there is such a great example of how people take their own pain and put it onto somebody else. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And I'm yes. like, I wish they would allow that woman to be beautiful and to be strong and to just live. And what a, what a Wait. toxic society we live in. Where it's like she doesn't even get to exist in the space of being a comedian, you know? It's like we can't yeah. even let her allow us to laugh. She can't even make us laugh. We have to mock her and make fun of her because she doesn't look she doesn't look like society's idea of what beauty is supposed to be. You feel me? Exactly. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I, that's the reason why I love Christian Christian Siriano so much. Because he considers <laughs> her to be one of his muses. And the way he dresses her up and makes her look so amazing. Oh my goodness. And I love being able to see moments where she, like, I, I wrote a whole uh, letter to she and Michelle Obama. This was a couple of years ago. This is when people were really attacking Leslie Jones a lot. I wrote an open letter to the two of them. And I was just celebrating her, you know? Because yeah. I'm like, th- those of us who always feel like we're on the outside should be the ones who have the, the healthiest sense of self. You know? Exactly. Instead of mm-hmm. being on the inside and worrying about the, the praise and adoration of others, let us be on the outside you know, on our own personal journey of love and acceptance of ourselves. You feel me? And so, yeah, yeah. But um, to to transition kind of quickly into people who I feel like did that 
which is so interesting for the show that they were on. <laughs> on <laughs> when you think about the cast of Good Times, you look at this cast, and even today, so many of them are very good. In a, well, from what we know on the outside looking in, because we're not them, you know. But from the outside mm-hmm. looking in, we haven't lost any of them to anything having to do with mental illness, you know. Um, we don't have Esther Rolls anymore, but it didn't have anything to do with that, you know. Yeah. And it's like, and it's so funny because I was thinking about that that transition into talking about good times. And when I thought about it, I was like, Brandon and I are about to talk about this, and I really have to admit that as as traumatic as that show was for me, this cast seemed to have did pretty well for themselves <laughs> as the years went on. Like <laughs> they clearly weren't impacted by the show the way I was. Um, but yeah, Brandon and I saw good times in two very different ways. And I wanted to end our conversation about, you know, healing through laughter by talking about that. Uh, growing up, I wasn't able to really get into good times the way other, the way other people did because it was it felt like more of a drama for me than a comedy. Like every time I was triggered by pretty much every single solitary episode of good times. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't come from that world, you know. So it was a situation for me where I was like, is this what people live like? Like, this is, this is like literally paycheck to paycheck. It was, it was so sad. Like it always felt like they just couldn't get over the hump and it trust me, you know, um, of course, in the, in, in the gay community, the, the whole famous, <laughs> the whole famous thing with Janet Jackson and her mother um, <laughs> and everything that she went through with her mom. And how traumatic that was for me, you know, when she what she she fell down the elevator and all that stuff, and no. you know her mom beat her with huh, what you say? She didn't fall down the elevator, but okay. So wait, who fell down the elevator? That was good times. Don't make me Google when we go off of here. Who fell down an elevator? Okay, I'll Google it after we're done because we don't have to. We're literally on the time right now. So. <laughs> but, but yeah, there, there was a um there was an elevator that was uh closed off, and then somebody ended up opening it up and falling through it on good times but i'll make Nobody. sure i google it after we're done please please but, um, <laughs> but yeah so the one that i know you do know is that she ended up hitting her with the what was it, the iron or something yeah so once again trauma like i'm just like every time i'm watching this show it's just like lord and then by the time it got to the point where james died out i already stopped watching so i was like yeah no janet was after james but okay you said janet was after well see i never watched the like the thing fall through like, i come into an episode and be like okay yeah that's all good see i i literally did not know that until now i was not aware that janet came after him so i was like mm-hmm. oh wow i mm-mm. i can't i never watched that show for a whole season i did not I can give you every single character that was on that show before his death and after his death, but yeah, no, I mm-mm. that that thing messed me up real good. Um. Okay. So for me, well, you know, I'm a huge Norman Lear fan. It's a Norman Lear show. So for me, it was just thinking as we were talking. I'm like, it's no different than like All in the Family, mm-hmm. as as much as it dealt with you know controversial things or topical issues. Or for me, I love the original Roseanne. Yeah. So right. for me, I've always compared the two. So, I, I, again, it's like being able to, I guess, because you can't walk around sad and depressed about your circumstances every single day or every minute of every day. You have to, at some point, find some joy and some laughter. And so I appreciate that with doing that. While at times it was very, saying dramatically, that with a lot of, again, topical things from, you know, child abuse to drug abuse to on and on and on and on and on. But 
I still like they were able to find the laughter in it all because you always felt to me the love within the family for, for each other and amongst the rest of the you know all the characters. So at the end of the day, they kind of knew they always had each other, even though circumstances would get very difficult or very bad. So I appreciated that because I felt like that was very relatable for a lot of people because I know my parents um, loved the show. My dad more so than my mom growing up. But for me, I think, well, for him, I think because the show was more relatable to his growing up than it was my mom's. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying? Grew up not the richest or whatever or, or struggling with the money. His struggle and his family was a little bit closer to good times than hers was. Yeah. So I, I think again, kind of like we were saying earlier, like representation is is important. So while you weren't able to watch it, but there are sure plenty of people again who could relate to it and who did. You know, I feel like this is me on TV. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I, it, the episode did happen. Um, okay. <laughs> I told you I was like I'm determined to find this. So I, I think they they're saying it was a little boy who fell down the elevator shaft. And um, no, oh, he didn't fall. He almost fell. The deaf boy. Oh, okay. And they ended up grabbing him. Okay. Yes, okay. yes. Because the elevator wasn't working, but the doors opened. Yeah. Yes. That was crazy. <laughs> but I was like, she didn't fall. <laughs> like the side eye he was giving me. I was like, wait a minute now. That show <laughs> messed me up. I know what I can, I can remember the things that didn't. That but it's crazy. I'm gonna turn my television on no more. <laughs> it's crazy because my mom was only in like four or five episodes and for that to be so memorable it's crazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> and and she was played by kim field's mom right yes yeah <laughs> she was mother hunter from living single that was her, that was her. <laughs> but um at at day's end especially as a community we we understand that as black people we have often had to find reasons to laugh through our pain Mm-hmm. In this in this world, uh, and for us being African Americans in this country, we have been through so much, you know, that we mm-hmm. have to find ways to be able to keep the light on and to not allow it to be dimmed because people attempt to do it even today on a day to day basis, mm-hmm. you know. So we find yeah. ways to be able to to laugh, to find a brighter day. We just have to be very careful that in doing so we don't allow ourselves to be little situations where we do need to take a pause and understand the seriousness of it. You feel me? Yeah. And mm-hmm. mental health is real. So while we're laughing, we have to take a time. We have to take an opportunity to say to ourselves, well, how do we truly heal? We're laughing and this is giving us a bandaid for now, but how yeah. do we make sure that we heal permanently instead of just allowing it to be something that we can kind of brush over the pain and keep moving, you know, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, so yeah, with that being said, we can go ahead and move on into our good news, sir. <laughs> so what is your good news for this week? Okay, my good news isn't technically my good news, but I'm going to share it anyway. Indeed. So Saturday, I went up to Atlanta because uh, one of my close friends, Brianna, she graduated from pharmacy school. So I'm very, very proud of her. Very happy for her. Um, I wasn't able to make the graduation because the graduation was at 830 in the morning. But I was there for, (laughs) listen, but I was there for the graduation at reception. So it was good to be able to see her and um, hang out with her and then just celebrate her accomplishment and her finishing. That's awesome. Come on. Congrats. Congrats. (laughs) 
And for my uh, for my good news, I actually on Friday I went out with my friend Christopher George, and we uh, did some volunteer work for the elderly. And yes. yeah, that that was really really awesome. Uh, he has a company that he started, which is called. Uh, Lord knows the name has completely escaped me now, and he's going to kill me. Um, <laughs> it starts with senior. Oh my goodness, it's completely gone. <laughs> but yeah, he, he he goes out into uh, communities, uh, senior citizen locations, and things of that nature, and he takes pictures of them because he said, you know, in working in those spaces, he would see that there were a lot of pictures that they would have. They were kind of half-assed, if we're being honest, you know. He didn't really show them in their best light. And he's like, uh, he wants to be able to show that in these, because, you know, when parents, I mean, not when parents, when children bring their parents there, they're often under the impression that maybe they're leaving their parents there and horrible things may happen, or they're very sad and depressed. And he's like, and him traveling around Atlanta and going to these different places, a lot of them are happy, you know. And a lot of them find a lot of fun things that they can do when they're there. So he wants to show a way, you know, wants to have pictures to show that and to also for the families to, for them to have that. If God forbid Mm -hmm. it gets to the point where they're, you know, they transition and they head home, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was beautiful. Senior Snaps is the name of, there we go. Senior Snaps. Yes. Um, So it was beautiful to be able to volunteer and be a part of that and to Mm -hmm. interact with so many of them. You know, some of them were looking at, and I was like, "Yo, like you're supposed to be here, like <laughs> the, the way you making your way around, like <laughs> you sure you don't just need to have your own place, like." <laughs> but no, it it felt so amazing. Like I was so full in doing this and traveling traveling around with him and doing that, and mm-hmm. I'm so proud of him. And I kept pouring into him the whole day, letting him know this is necessary. It's really necessary mm-hmm. for you to do, and I hope that you don't stop. Because you're really making a difference for these people, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, he made different films that he would play for them for them to be able to see, you know, like kind of a, a montage of the different video, I mean, of the different pictures. And they were loving it. And they're, you know, pointing out the different people in the center, you know, different friends they have who are there and stuff like that. And oh. they set them up with different outfits and poses and everything. It was so awesome. It was so awesome, <laughs> you know? And I ended the day so full. Yeah. So that that's that's good. That's great news. So yeah, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> so for uh, for any of you guys who want to be able to walk with us on social media, you know, because the healing space doesn't just stop here. You can join us on social media at underscore ths podcast. That's on Twitter or ths podcast on Instagram. Uh, also, you can walk with me at Scorpiogi across all platforms. And for you, BHW? <laughs> just call me Otis on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. Yes. Come on, just call me Otis. <laughs> 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 um, I wanted to take a moment to say thank you. And I know Brandon agrees. Thank you for all of you guys who continue to support us. Uh, yeah. Those of you who go out of your way to make sure that you leave comments that you click that like button, that you subscribe. Come on, subscribing. Yes, <laughs> now. <laughs> we appreciate those subscriptions. As well as a special shout out to you guys for this past episode, um, Healing Through the Sunken Place. We received mm-hmm. a lot of comments, a lot of comments. And I really appreciate that, especially those of you who were, who, who were able to grasp and understand where I was coming from, especially when I was giving a breakdown of the sunken place. 
um, that, that meant a lot to me. Because I'm going to be honest, I was expecting for there to be some serious backlash, which I would have been okay <laughs> with. I would have been okay with it. But to have so many people who came back and told and, and tell me that they understood where I was coming from and they felt mm-hmm. me, you know, yeah, that that really, really meant a lot. So please continue to interact with us. That means a lot. We love that you guys appreciate our banter back and forth. You know, um, we right. both love the fact that we can agree and disagree on things and still have respect, as Brandon always says, you know, um, so it makes for a well-balanced podcast. And that's all I've ever wanted. You know, balance means everything to me. So it's like being able to have a platform like this where we can be balanced and give people both sides of things. That's mm-hmm. an awesome ass podcast right there. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you guys make sure that you join us this coming Thursday because we're going to be what, Brandon? He's so damn extra. <laughs> We are going to be live on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And this time, YouTube will actually cooperate with us. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, make sure that you guys are walking with us on all those platforms under Revolution, as well as us. Because with all of the different technology we have, you can go up under one of our pages and we'll be live on there, too, probably. But make sure that you are on uh, YouTube with Revolution LLC, on uh, Facebook with Revolution Multimedia, and on Instagram with Revolution LLC as well. So that's Revolution, R-A-V-O-L-U-T-I-O-N. Revolution, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's everything. I think that's everything. Where we're on here next week, we're going to give shout outs to some of you guys who have been commenting and read some of your comments. We want to make sure you guys are always seen because we love the Misfits universe. Anything else, BHW? I think that's it. <laughs> 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 we love you guys so much and until next week namaste namaste